I'm Amanda Pittman, and this is the Confident Woman Podcast. This podcast was created to equip you to stand confidently upon the finished work of Jesus. In this community, we'll talk about what you care about most, living shamelessly for Jesus, speaking unapologetically for truth, and bringing heaven to earth. So make yourself comfortable. We're going to chop it up, keep it real, and change the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Confident Woman podcast. I'm really excited about the series that we're jumping in right now. We are jumping into a series where I'm interviewing other confident Christian women who are walking boldly in God's plan for their lives. And one of the women that I've been following on social media for a while is Adara. I absolutely love her. I adore her. I adore Adara. I just had to do it. I just had to say it like that. Um, It was just right there. But one thing that I've always really valued about her is that she just comes across as so genuine. And I think social media is an interesting place to where it's really hard to spot like genuine versus counterfeit. And not that you're a suspicious person, but you know, it's really hard for certain things to come across the screen, right? You just don't know people. But I've always felt such a draw to Adara because I I can just see it spiritually. I'm like, this woman is the real deal. She comes across as so genuine, so pure. And like her love for the Lord is authentic. And I admire that so much about her. Um, but I want to formally introduce her. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Adara Sharon is a Christian speaker, pastor, counselor, author, and empowerment specialist to women and men in all ages and stages of life. With humor and transparency, Adara pours out her heart through all things faith, marriage, motherhood, and ministry on her online community of over 100,000 people. Her passion is for godly relationships and wholeness in Christ, no matter what your marital status is. She holds a master's degree in pastoral counseling and plans to continue and advance to her doctorate. Woo woo. On October 21st, 2017, Adara married the love of her life and best friend, Bishop D.A. Sharon. Adara and D.A. are the proud parents to a beautiful daughter, Sophia Rose Sharon. Together, they shepherd Global Fire Church in Brooklyn, New York. Adara's ultimate desire is to lead a life that is pleasing to God and to help others in the process. Her mandate is outlined in Matthew 22, 37 to 38, which says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Girl, it really is that simple. I love it. That is your life's mandate. You better say that. I love that. I love that. Well, Adara, welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so, 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 so excited to be here. I cleared my whole afternoon, had my little cup of tea. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. I've been looking forward to this all day as well. Well, the first question I want to kick it off with, because this is a podcast for Christian women, and we love to just point it all back to Jesus. How did your walk with Jesus begin? How did you meet him for real? Yes. So, so for real, for real, we're going to talk today for real. Um, So I am the daughter of two pastors. So I have been in church my entire life. So 
there's a running joke in our family that my mother went into like pre-labor in a church service. So from the beginning, I was no stranger to the things of the faith, to Christianity, to church. Um, and so being the daughter of two pastors, there often is this facade of Christianity and holiness that we are kind of just thrust into. And most of us in some way, shape or form do not come to know the Lord for ourselves um, through our parents' ministry or, or through connection to the church. Sometimes most PKs, pastors, kids have to have this like kind of outer body intergalactic experience where they really have to um, hit some sort of, of a wall or some sort of difficulty in life to really get to know Jesus for real. Um, so in that respect, that is pretty much my um, crash, crash collision with Christ. I got to know the Lord as an adult um, after having, you know, been able to play church and, and look the part and play the role um, and say all the things and do all the things, but not having any real personal, like real connection with the Lord and relationship that came as a result of heartache and heartbreak um, of really coming face to face with reality that God's way is better that living for Christ, living in holiness is so much better than, than the temptations and pleasures of this world. Um, and with that came the onset of, of Jesus setting me free from alcoholism, from recreational marijuana, from promiscuity, um, for searching for, for the love that only Christ can give in all the wrong places and just really repenting from the rebellious part of me that um, was so hurt by church people that I want nothing to do with that. I don't want to be involved with the church. You know, I'll attend here and there, but I, I just want to be comfortably saved. That's what I like to call it. Um, so, you know, like, like the Lord does, he will get in there and arrest your heart and go, eh, eh, you know, you thought you was going to be doing this, but I have you doing this. And I'm the God that redeems and that calls you back to me. I reconcile you to me. Um, and so my testimony is uh, of what God has rescued me from some people's is what God has kept them from. And that's amazing. And, you know, living a life that is sold out to God from the start and never deviating is a beautiful thing. And I like to tell women that because, um, they are often ostracized sometimes like, oh, you think you're so holy because you never made a mistake. And so that's the first thing I like to say. I don't know why the Holy Spirit is allowing me to say that right now. But um, if you are someone who has been walking upright before the Lord and, you know, never quote unquote, um, you know, straight in that way, don't be ashamed of that. Because some people's testimony is that God is a keeper and that he will um, not allow you to stumble and fall in, in one of those egregious ways. And then there's people like me who had to find out, you know, the, the more difficult way, the prodigal route, but still God calls them back as well. So, um, you know, he's, he's used all of those difficult experiences to reconcile me back to him and to um, just, just give me a very real and, and personal um, indicator that he is a God who loves in spite of, right? That the most heinous thing you think you can do, that his love reaches and extends over and beyond that. And his grace is sufficient, meaning it'll meet the need and go beyond the need for, for um, forgiveness and, and restoration that you have. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that you touch on the testimony of God keeping you, um, and then God rescuing you because in, in all honesty, like God keeping you is just him constantly rescuing you from yourself, yeah. <laughs> the potential of what it can be. And so the moment where we think, um, that that's not a testimony is the moment where, um, we lose sight of what could have been or, or, or how 
how much of a keeper he is. And so I love you mentioning that. Um, what do you think brought you to the point of rebellion? You know, because you said you were a P kid, a, a PK, a preacher's kid. Um, and like to get to such an extreme and have to come back to him, there must have been a catalyst for that. What brought you to that place? Yes. So there was this this unspoken pressure, Amanda, like like and even to this day, I see it. We, we do ourselves a disservice in the body where we try to create like little Christian clones of and, and emulate each other. You know, like you have to dress this way or be this way or talk this way or, or even pray this way. If you don't pray a certain way, you're not really praying. If you don't, if you don't worship a certain way, you're not really worshiping. And so there was a lot of pressure. And, and I'm talking, I was in my teens, right? So I'm in my, my formulative where I'm figuring out the world, where I'm trying to make sense of everything around me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm being told that that this is the one way that you have to live. And, and it's interesting, that pressure never came from my parents themselves. It came from like their circle. It came from other churches that were in our, our sisterhood of, of churches. It came from other ministers who had kids who who thought their kids were like the blueprint of what a Christian teen or Christian young woman or man should be. So the pressure kind of just made me crack where I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be involved with any of this. I want to be a normal teenager. And then there was that that social element too, because um, you know my parents did the best they could to instill holiness into us. And if we're honest, most Christian parents want to keep their kids from certain activities. Like we were not allowed to go party, right? And so the enemy will plant that little seed in your mind, like, oh, they're not letting you party. You're missing out on having fun. And it really wasn't that. Um, it, your definition of fun is relative, right? What's fun? Mm-hmm one person could not be fun for another so that seed of rebellion was planted because I thought I was missing out Mm. on on life right and so I was like about this I want to go live like I'm not about to be out here like the only one not having fun so so slowly but surely you know you get a little bit a, a little taste of rebellion like you know you sneak out to this party and you're like man this is the life like this is fun and then it it becomes it evolves into this this lifestyle of rebellion which led to some hard things when i talk about heartache and heartbreak real heartache and heartbreak like finding yourself pregnant your junior year of high school mm-hmm. and having to make a decision am i going to keep this baby and be you know a public fall that that brings shame on my parents or am I gonna quietly handle it myself and just bear the brunt of it mm-hmm. you know and um I did the the latter of the two I did unfortunately at that time feel like my only option was to have an abortion and I did and that changed my life in so many ways we we are not designed as women to sever the gift of motherhood God has given us in that way and so um no matter, no matter how long you carry a child and whether it's um, you carry a child and then you decide to terminate or you lose the child, unfortunately, through miscarriage or, or, or something like that, you have a connection to that child because that's how God has wired us to be mothers, to nurture. Yeah. So severing that connection produced a, 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 like a long period of, of guilt, of shame, condemnation, right? Because I, I knew right from wrong and still chose to do the wrong thing at the time because I thought that was more convenient, not just for myself, but for everyone around me, which was the wrong way to think about it. And again, that's how the enemy, like he'll subtly get into your mind and have you trying to rationalize what you know is wrong, which is that element of rebellion too. Instead of coming clean, you know, Mm -hmm. confessing the sin, I felt like it was better to cover it up. And in doing so only created, like dug myself a bigger hole. 
again, the grace of God, like God was able to pull me out of that, you know, letting me experience the consequences of that choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of those consequences I still deal with today, but God is gracious and he is um, just so loving in in the fact that even when we have to deal with consequences, he is there and gives us the strength to deal with them. And I think that's important for us to realize as well that when you get saved, you don't just automatically get a pass from um, the reality of the sin that you you committed before. Of course, Christ has forgiven it, you are set free, but there's still some consequences. And what I mean by that is um, having, um, terminating a pregnancy 20 weeks in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, affected my fertility and reproduction to the point where later, like now in life, um, when we were, my husband and I were ready to conceive, it was, it was tough, you know, because of my reproductive history. And I know that God was with us and merciful and gracious, but the reality was that had I not made that choice 17, you know, 15, 17 years ago, mm-hmm. um, then it wouldn't have possibly been so hard. Right. And so I said all that to say, um, just being enticed by by the enemy and and thinking you can cover things up that you can live haphazardly and and do your thing that's the seeds of rebellion that were planted that kind of grew you know like grew sporadically cut kind of like a weed you know have you ever seen weeds grow starts out with one little one and if you're not careful now you have a whole like garden full of weeds yeah Uh, yeah and, and that's really what it was like for me yeah Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Whenever you were sharing, I my mind automatically went back to the garden. And whenever the enemy was tempting Eve, he was tempting her with the same thing he was tempting you with as a teen. The fear of missing out, this thought of um, God is holding out on you and his way is not the best way for you. And that seed, if it's not plucked up intentionally, it's funny because weeds, they, it doesn't take int- intentionality to grow weeds. Right. Weeds will just grow. And right. so, yeah, it actually takes intentionality to pull up the weeds so right. that the good fruit can grow. And so it's our job to pull those up. And it's so interesting that, you know, when you were met with the consequences of your sin, like you said, you wanted to cover it up. And that's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They covered themselves um, within man-made ways, you know, going around God to cover themselves and you did it in your own way. And, um, but what's so beautiful about it and what's so beautiful about your testimony is that, you know, God met you and now it's his blood who's covering you. And because his blood is covering you, you can walk in freedom. Um, and you're not alone, you know, like you're not alone, um, every step of the way with your fertility journey, you're not alone in motherhood, you're not not alone in your faith. And so I'm so just grateful that you're transparent about that. Because I, I believe that there's so many women who can actually relate to listening to the voice of the enemy, following through, and then having to live with the consequences, but then making the decision, no, I'm going to turn back and return to Christ. And, and the good news is that you're not alone, you know, yeah. like, where you were um, having to rely on your own devices before, now you can rely on God's. And so I just, I'm so grateful for you sharing that. And I think it's just so beautiful for you to share that so openly um, because God gets all of the glory in it. And so I'm just, I'm just grateful for that. So I would just love to know, because I know that you're in counseling. Why did you pursue the route of counseling? 
Yeah, so I get, I get this question a lot and I'm always excited to, to share. Um, I am of the belief that it is the power of God that is able to um, cast out demons, right? And then you have a responsibility to keep it out. Yeah. Right? So counseling is where the keeping the demonic activity out of our lives as Christians comes into play. And some of us are so, um, we are, we are so just uneducated in the ways that we can kind of reintroduce destructive patterns in our lives. And we just think, okay, because I've prayed or because, you know, I believe that should be enough. And what happens is while we absolutely believe in the power of God, believe in the anointing of God, believe in deliverance. The reality is we still have flesh that needs to be brought under subjection. We need to learn the ways in which we can do our part and making sure we don't revert back to um, a behavior or, or an experience or, or something that we know is no good for us. And so what, what counseling does is allow, um, well, pastoral or Christian counseling, which is what I advocate for, allows for um, people who are believers to be joined to like-minded believers who are sound in doctrine, mm. sound um, counseling practice and theory That's and all important. things, That's which important. is important. So important. important. Make sure you have somebody who is sound in, in doctrine, like sound in, <laughs> it matters. Like, like, what do you believe as a counselor? Yeah. Not even as a counselor, what do you believe as a Christian? Like <laughs> it matters, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so having someone who is sound in their doctrine, who has has formally had education, because there's a lot of people that just get up, you know, and just say whatever and want to be counseling and, and giving advice to other people's lives. And I don't believe in that either. I don't I think that's very dangerous when you get up trying to tell someone how to fix their life or, or how to how to you know be a better whatever without having been formally trained um then being submitted to the leading of the holy spirit to help that person because there's no kind of one size fits all program for people's pain and trauma and and road to recovery um you know and, and it's important that you that you realize that all of us are a work in progress that there's no point of arrival right so um if you are under the the tutelage or the um care of a counselor realizing or or looking at who who is that person submitted to who is their covering who is their counselor that's important too like all of us should be accountable that's the word i was looking for accountable to someone else mm -hmm. so um just from from being in church my husband and i we pastor just having to sit with people's pain that's really what was the catalyst for me saying, okay, I have to go back to get some formal training because there's some situations that I right now am not at the capacity to handle, you know, like how, perfect example, how do I help a family make sense of um, incest that has, re has resulted in a child? And these were people that were in the church. I'm not talking about people of the world where that, that's not a surprise. I'm talking about people in the church. Like, how do I make sense of that for myself and help another family make sense of that? That's where Christian counseling, that's where Christian therapy, that's where having someone who has been trained in um, the, the task of, of working through trauma, but also still believes in the power and the redemptive healing of Jesus Christ, right? That's where that comes into play. So for me, coming face to face with the reality, like, yes, I am a pastor, but there are some elements of ministry, some elements of helping people that require um, education, that require um, help from people who have walked down that road before me and, and are actually licensed and trained to, to do so. 
that was what was the um, the driving force behind me going back to school, starting this process of getting my degrees. Like, I just don't want to be someone who gives you a scripture and sends you on your way. Like, okay, you know, read this scripture and call me in the morning. Like, it, it has to be more than that. You have to be able to um, look at your own biases, look at your own patterns of history, look at your own elements of sin, look at, at um, the areas where you've fallen short. So you're not, you know, looking at the, the plank in someone else's eye, you know, and you have to be able to be real and honest with yourself. I'm not at a capacity to handle helping you walk through this. And that's what going um, back to school for Christian counseling helped me. It helped me to realize, okay, I don't have the capacity to work with someone who's experiencing this because of what I've experienced or because what I, um, what I, I, personal personally believe as my convictions right that plays a big part of it too as believers we've got to be able to separate personal convictions versus what the word of god actually says because what is a conviction for me may not necessarily be a conviction for you and you cannot make what you think or your opinion be the word of god the word of god is the word of god so yeah i, I said all that to say before i start rambling um again i, I just really believe that it is the power of God that can cast out a demon and free from it. And then it's up to you to be sure that you don't revert back, right? Kind of like when you, the Bible talks about regurgitating and not going back to what you've spit up. You don't want to go backwards. Like if God has set you free from that, it's time for you to examine what in you um, is, is, is pulling or, or um, wants to go back to that. You know, what is it about me? What has happened in my life? Who am, am I connected to? What have I experienced? What have I not experienced? You know, what hurt am I carrying? And that's what counseling is for. So that is the reason why I went, I went back to school for counseling. I love that your heart behind it is so pure. You wanted to help people to a deeper degree and you felt a gap with your own capability and capacity and you sought out to expand that. So I think that that is so noble and important um, because I, I think sometimes people can just consider it a career path, um, but to you is more than that. And I love that. So what would you say to someone who, or someone or a group of people who have the mentality that they don't need counseling because they have the church? What do you think really separates the two? And why do you think people need counseling? You know, it's, it's, it's funny that you asked me this question because um, the way that I would, I would answer it depends on the person, you know, okay. and this is where relying on the Holy Spirit is so important. Having mm -hmm. a connection with him, he will show you people's reservations or the reasons why they feel a certain way about something, right? Mm -hmm. um, so let me give you an example for during my externship, um, which is what happens right before you, you actually are officially done. There was an older woman who just like she signed up to have pastoral counseling and then she kept like backing out like rescheduling canceling you know oh, I, I decided i don't need this and so you know i reached out to her i said you know can we just have a conversation I, i'd really be interested to hear from you you know what is the thought process behind why you don't think you need this and do you not know when we had our conversation she said you know I realized I was wrong. I thought this was going to be you crying, you asking me all kinds of questions that I really wasn't ans wasn't ready to answer. And all you did was just want to listen. 
just that I was wrong about what counseling was. And, and from that experience, I realized sometimes people have a misconception of what Christian counseling is. They have a misconception of what a counselor is allowed to ask or what they should ask or, or what topics will be presented. You know, and there's, there's that element of being unsure when you're doing something new. And so um, I, I am of the belief that if you take the time to um, listen, if you take the time to ask appropriate questions about why people feel that way, at the heart of it, something has happened or something is there that makes them kind of um, afraid or, or apprehensive about a, a stranger, right? Essentially a stranger digging into the parts of them that they're not ready to address. So for that woman, it was the fact that I was a listener more than a talker, which in her history, as we progressed and got a chance to talk, um, she was never listened to, right? Mm -hmm. There was always someone talking over her, always someone thinking yeah. for her, yeah. which speaks to the, 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 um, the age difference also too, like she was a little bit older, um, you know, in her fifties and sixties. So the time period was different. So back then when she was, you know, of age or, or coming of age, there was no such thing as your feelings being heard or someone listening to you or asking you how you feel. So this was new for her. So I think all those little nuances play a part of, of how people, um, are not so readily, you know, interested or, or, or likely to start. And we have to get to know people and ask questions and be willing to just provide that sense of, of um, assurance and comfort if we want them to pursue something like Christian counseling. You have to, in some ways, make them know that it's okay. You're still a Christian, right? You're still saved. You still love the Lord. You're still a saint, but still on fire, still all those things. But it's okay to have another believer sit with you um, sit with you in, in this trauma, in this pain, in this experience and listen and provide, um, you know, provide just a sense of, of, of being with you. That's what it's about. You know, not, a, not about fixing the problem or, or giving you, you know, some solution based, um, you know, next step. Sometimes it's just about just being there mm. to someone else who believes in the Lord, like I believe and knows that this is a hard thing, like especially when it comes to something like grief, right? Grief grief is, is a whole other topic we could talk about, but um, especially when it comes to something like grief, just knowing that I'm grieving and I'm still saved, I'm still loved by Jesus and he empathizes with me and that that allows my brother or sister to empathize with me too. Yeah. You know, so that, I would say that's what it would be for me to look at on an individual basis. What has happened or what, what has transpired that makes this person feel apprehensive towards starting? Because there's always a reason. Yeah. And I love that you didn't take a one size fits all approach because in all honesty, like people have different reservations based on their own life experiences. And so I think even that shows that you're probably a skilled counselor, not making a blanket statement. Um, what, would you say, what would you say has surprised you the most about counseling? What has surprised me the most? Um, you know, you really realize how, uh, how biased you are about certain things. We all have biases. You realize how, uh, you formulate opinions and formulate thoughts and, and you have no idea that that it could be so different from what has actually happened. Wow. It's me actually to confront um, things that I believed at one point and no longer believe, right? So, wow. so it's been sort of a mirror. And that's what they teach us in school. Like, don't get into this if you have a problem with looking introspectively. Like, you'll realize how some of your biggest issue is you. And you'll find that when you're sitting with other people's experiences, other people's pain, um, some things will be repulsive to you, but that's because 
a little bit of you struggles with that, you know, as well, or a little bit of you has been exposed to that. And now you're seeing that it doesn't work for you don't like it. So um, for me, it, it has been looking in the mirror <laughs> and realizing, um, you know, certain behaviors, certain, certain um, beliefs, I carry those as well. And, and part of me knows or sees now that I have to work through that as well. So, so it's been a mirror for me. And I thank God for it because, you know, we talk about how as Christians, we should be moving from milk to meat and we should be evolving and growing, right? And, and uh, the word of God is the way that we grow and we, we evolve, but also through our experiences with each other. That's what edification is about. Edification, is not just always beautiful words that build us up. It's also getting to the nitty gritty coming to a common ground and, and pulling back the covers of things that need to be changed or need to be transformed. And that's how we grow as well. So for me, it, it's been a mirror, you know, like you ever seen a mirror that one side is like a magnifying glass and like when it's in your face, everything is magnified. That's what it's been like for me. Yeah. I love that you're transparent about that. And I love how you say mirror. <laughs> that's, why I hear, that's why I hear the New Yorker, mirror. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, so a lot of people and myself included, I actually have a great counselor now. Um, she's incredible, but it took me a long, many years to find her. A lot of people have had bad experiences with counselors who are biased and who are not very skilled. And, um, and what would you say to people who are a little cynical because of the experiences that they've had and also how to find a good one? Yeah. So, so my, my answer to that would to be when you realize that like a person's um, offense to you really doesn't have much to do with you, it has to do more with their character issue, that will allow you to be a little more gracious and a little less cynical, right? We, we're all working through something. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would also, also encourage you, you know, not to, to uh, make a finite decision to stop going to counseling or pursuing that based on one experience, because the reality is, if you eat at, at a, a restaurant and the food is not so good, you don't stop eating, you know, altogether or decide, That's real. I'm never going to go out to eat again. Mm -hmm. You simply say, I'm not going to go back to that one place, but I'm going to look for something else. And I think we sometimes will take a principle like that and apply it where we want to, you know, not realizing um, when it comes to finding a church home or finding a counselor or, or finding a, a community of people, just because you've had one bad experience doesn't mean they will all be that way, you know, yeah. and, and um, in all things, be spirit led, be, you know, be praying, Lord, direct me to the person that will, that will be for me to help me walk through these things and, and be a, a competent, skilled counselor um, who, who's connected to you, right? That's the other thing. Because sometimes people get in, into a profession for, for the money, for the, for the notoriety or, or for whatever, um, but they're really not connected to the source, right? So be praying for a counselor who really is connected to, to Christ and, and who works out their own soul salvation with fear and with trembling. That's important. That, that should be above all else, you know, which goes back to the, what's your doctrine? What does that doctrine do? <laughs> right. What is your doctrine? Like, like, what do you believe that that is so that's so paramount for me. Um, what do you believe and why do you believe that? Because you, you'd be surprised how not everyone who names the name of Christ really is submitted to the finished work of Christ and, and really um, adheres to the standards of what's in God's word. Yeah, I think that spirit-filled peace is essential, you know, because my counselor sometimes will have sessions where she's like just prophesying over me the entire 
session and it's exactly what I needed, but you don't have the ability to even receive in a place like that, like that, if they are not connected to the source and if they do not consult with the Lord. Um, and even like your life decisions, and I, I consider your counselor, your therapist, likewise counsel, they should be likewise counsel in your life. And so if they're not actually wise, <laughs> because they, they don't truly follow the Bible and God's word, then um, they could actually be leading you astray. So I just completely echo everything that you're saying. And I, it took me four counselors to find the one that I have now. Um, and I'm so glad I didn't quit because I really needed it. And this is probably the most emotionally healthy I've ever been in my entire life. Um, and so I just I want to encourage anybody listening, just don't stop looking and advocate for yourself. You know, like when I was younger, I really wanted my parents to advocate for me. And I think that there was just a lack of education on their piece and on their part, um, which is fine. You know, we progress and we learn. Um, but as I became an adult, I just had to learn to advocate for myself and find what I needed. Um, and so just advocate for yourself. You're, you're going to thank yourself later when you find what you're looking for. Love that. Yes. So um, we are nearing the end. So I'll just wrap it up with two more questions. What would you say empowers you to walk in confidence? I think for me, it, it's a combination of knowing where I was and I'm no longer there to know like, man, like God really rescued me for some, from some hard things. Like he is able just to kind of like turn everything around. And that, that gives me like a boost of confidence, like knowing that even at my worst, he is still always going to be God and that he's always able to just like, like you said earlier, you know, that he's able to take whatever was meant for evil and make it for good. And that confidence, it's not my own, right? It's not like, oh, I'm confident in me because God was able to, I'm confident in him. Yeah. And because of that, um, it helps me to walk upright. It helps me not to be fearful. It helps me not to be, you know, um, you know, worried. Of course, moments like that come where you, you feel worried or you feel nervous or anxious or, or you know, not so confident, but um, it becomes just a moment. It doesn't become your lifestyle. I think that's, that's mm -hmm. the difference, you know, that's when a person, so when a person is confident in the Lord, even if they have a hard moment or a hard day, it doesn't become a hard like life or lifestyle yeah. or continuation of days. And you, you separate the two. Yeah. You know, so I think being able to look back on what I've been through and what God has brought me through, coupled with the fact that I know that he's faithful and true, that helps me to kind of like stand upright. It helps me to hold my head high and know that he's got me. And, and the confidence that I have isn't in myself. It's not in a Dara thing. It's a, it's a Christ thing to know that yeah. through him, in him, everything is possible. Absolutely. We, our flesh fails, but he never does. And I... Absolutely. And that's one of the things I, I continue to preach to our confident woman community. If you want to have true confidence, it can't be tied to anything that can be taken away from you. Yeah. All of your titles can be taken away from you. Your beauty can be taken away from you. Uh, your finances can be taken away from you. Your very life can be taken away from you. If you want to have true confidence, it has to rest on something that's unchanging. And that's yeah. the character of Christ. And so I just love that that's where your confidence comes from and that that comes across. I, I just want to affirm that to you. Like that come, you come across as someone who's truly rooted in Christ. Um, and I just want to thank you for shining your light for our audience, for, and all of the people you reach online. Um, but I would love to know what's next for you. What's coming next for Adar in her life. I am. I'm so excited for this new chapter. 
um, of, of my life. So I've been a stay-at-home mom for about the last 17 months. It'll, it'll be 18 months next month. And it's been a beautiful journey. I've got to spend time with our daughter, Sophia Rose. And with that, I'm actually going to be starting a new job very soon. I'm so excited, um, you know, without um, saying too much and taking up too much time that we have left. I am actually going to be embarking on a new journey. That is exactly what I wish I had all those years ago when I was um, pregnant, unwed, and a teen. I'm going to be working with people, with women, um, who find themselves in similar shoes and would like to have um, some spiritual direction, some encouragement, a listening ear, someone to pray. And yeah. so I will be providing that support that I wish I had yeah. back then. There, which is a full circle moment for me. I'm going to try to talk without crying. Yeah. Um, full circle moment because God is just like, he's so faithful to take the yeah. very thing that would have and could have killed you. And yeah. now use it as like a launching pad, use it as a way to bless and encourage and, and so, and, you know, just, just support and help someone else. And I'm starting to tear now, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, so being able to, to have an opportunity like that, is so humbling yeah. and, and I'm so grateful. I'm so excited. So if you see me a little bit less online than I have been, it's because I'm actually working, working now. Um, not that being stay home mom isn't work. It's work. Trust me, honey, it is work. And that's my daughter up from her nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's work, but I'm going to be back to a um, formal position in terms of, of working um, mm -hmm. in a organization. So I'm so excited for that. Um, it's just just a testimony to to God's faithfulness and how he will just like turn everything around for his glory forget about it being for your good it's for your good too but it's ultimately so he can get the glories for his name's sake so that is that is what's next for me amen I love how God can use our weakest moments or um, our areas of vulnerability. And then that he turns it around and makes it a strength for us. And we help people in the areas that we were struggling. It's just like you say, so incredibly humbling. It's so beautiful to see him do that in your life. Um, where can people find you? Um, and how can people stay connected with you? I am online everywhere, um, Instagram, Twitter as Adara the Explorer. So think about Dora the Explorer, but Adara the Explorer. <laughs> uh, I'm very friendly. I chat back. I comment back. I respond. So if you have um, a question, a prayer request, we just want to connect, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. Um, Amanda, you know, we, we are on there all the time sharing the good news, just encouragement. So that's, that's where you'll find me. Um, I also have a blog called adaratheexplorer.com where I talk about all things faith, motherhood, ministry, life, a couple of jokes here and there. Just, you know, I, I'm of the belief that, that Jesus Christ came so we could have life more abundantly. And the abundantly doesn't just mean church. It doesn't just mean um, you know, doesn't just mean gathering for service. There's life to be lived outside of that. So often you'll find me talking about the life outside of church while church is still important and we still, you know, know we're not supposed to forsake the gathering of ourselves. What happens from Monday to Saturday? Right. Yeah. Monday to Sunday when you're not in church. So um, I talk about all things marriage, motherhood, ministry, life, sprinkle a little food recipes here and there. So you'll find me on social media talking about those things. 
Well, I love it. Adara, you are such a joy. It's so beautiful to hear what God is doing in your life and what he's already done for you. Um, and I know that this is going to impact so many women. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. All right, guys, that's the end of today's conversation. If you're a part of the Confident Woman community, then do your part. Leave a review, a five-star podcast rating, and spread the word. If you haven't already, join our Facebook community and follow us on Instagram at Confident Woman Co. As always, stay confident.